Hello and you're very welcome to the AA Ireland podcast. I'm Paddy Common. And I'm Anna Cullen. And today we will be discussing something that will be of interest to a lot of people. The government, of course, is urging motorists to do their part to help climate change by switching to electric vehicles. But what about consumer attitudes and so-called range anxiety? Well, fear not, because today we're joined by motoring journalist Dave Humphreys to discuss electric vehicles and what you should note before you buy one. Thinking of renewing or shopping around for car insurance to get the best deal? Did you know AA Car Insurance is tailored covered for you? AA members get fully comprehensive car insurance. With your policy, you can drive your own car as well as other cars with the best level of cover. Terms and conditions apply. To find out more, go to the AA.ie. AA Ireland Limited trading as AA Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Dave Humphreys is one of Ireland's top motoring journalists. He writes for CompleteCar.ie, The Business Post, as well as a host of international publications. He's also a regular commentator on all things motoring. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on what is episode one of the AA Ireland podcast. Thanks for having me. Very honoured to be here. Listen, electric vehicles are everywhere. Absolutely. The topic is, is huge at the moment, and I'm sure many of the cars you drive each week have, you know, some sort of plug, be it a PHEV or an EV. But today we're going to focus on EVs primarily. What we know is that people have questions and are obviously a little anxious about this subject. So this is why we've asked you to come in to, I suppose, pick apart any of these uh, issues that people might have or questions we might have. So look, first question is really, is why is there such a sudden burst of activity in this area? Like we've seen electric vehicles around for a couple of years now, you know, Nissan Leaves floating around sure, and yeah. they were a slight oddball at the time, but... Now it seems like there's a real sense of urgency for change. Why is that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a. It's probably in the last 10 years was when we started to see, you know, let's call them production versions of electric vehicles coming along. And, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty whether what is the future? You know, is it combustion engines? Is it electric? Is it hydrogen? And now we're moving towards basically, you know, the EU has said, no, no, we need to re- really, we need to reduce our emissions. Cars are obviously... A, a significant part of, of emissions and the technology is also now caught up to a point that actually making electric vehicles is becoming that bit more easy to do and they're no longer quite as expensive as they are and we're also reaching a point where the cost versus what you actually get in terms of range of battery technology is improving obviously now with emission regulations tightening all the manufacturers are setting targets of moving away from combustion engines into fully electric vehicles. They're all around sort of talking between 2027 and 2030. That's the real sort of target that they have in mind, that by that time, new car sales will only be electric from numerous brands. Uh, and that's the way it's it's now really starting to accelerate as as more brands get on, get on board with this. Now we're starting to see a much bigger selection and choice of electric vehicles. So now... The government had said a couple of years ago, okay, we're going to ban the sale of new petrol and diesel only cars by 2030, from 2030 onwards. And we kind of all laughed at that at the time, but it's, it's the laughing has sort of died down a bit because it's starting to look a little more realistic. Yeah, I think the government, I mean, a, a number of years ago, you'll you probably remember when they set out a, a you know, and a, a really ambitious target of over a million used electric cars oh, yeah. on the market. And everyone's kind of scoffed at that because that was at a time when the technology wasn't there. 
Um, I still don't think we're going to get to that. Well, it's, but, it, but it's yeah. yeah, but it but it is definitely improving. Um, now that more brands are getting behind it, because you know, ten years ago there was there was Nissan, there was Mitsubishi. That, that was kind of really it. There you wasn't remember the IMEV? Yeah, IMEV was, <laughs> was the first electric car same, I drove. Same. It and uh, but now there's actually I think there's a bit more clarity as to direct the direction of the industry and where that's going. And the fact that there's now just much more choice. I think people are, a lot of people are now getting past the myths that were around electric vehicles. And I think people now see that, oh, actually, this does fit in with my lifestyle. Um, so that's actually growing the demand as well. And there's obviously a lot of people that just, they want to be seen to be having an electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. But it's really come down, you know, Europe is going to be the leader globally for electric vehicles. I mean, other countries, other markets are doing it, but nowhere near to the, the same level. And it's essentially down to the manufacturers are reacting to what you know EU has said in terms of re- reducing emissions, and they're now starting to produce the cars for that. So look, let's start from the start because you know it's one of these questions people will always ask. You know the, the basics. Oh, yeah. I don't really understand it. And and you know in, in the AA we'd have a variety of members from a variety of age groups, and they can be a bit anxious about this. So look, how far can anyone expect to go in an EV when? And where should they charge? And what point should you worry about range anxiety, if at all? Yeah, I mean, we'll come back to range anxiety. In terms of how far you can go in an electric vehicle these days, most of them, pretty much all electric vehicles now, will give you at least 200 kilometers from a single charge. Mm. And that's in pretty mixed use. So I'm not talking about you having to drive in a very particular way, or that's just getting in, driving, over a mixture of different roads and and situations. Most of the new cars that are on sale now will do that. So first thing is look at what you typically do. Most people don't drive 200 kilometers in a single no. in a single journey, you know. So yes, people will do it. They're going on holidays or they're going away for a weekend. But on a Monday to Friday, if you're driving in and out of work or you're doing a school run or something like that, chances are you have a very short or you know, it's probably going to be 50 kilometers or less as a typical daily commute. So that means that you can go in and come home without having to think about plugging it in. Now, the other thing is charging. So a big thing is, you know, how often should you charge? There's a good rule of thumb that of ABC, which is always be charging. The single piece of advice I give to every single person that contacts me or asks me about thinking about going to get an electric vehicle is, can you charge at home? That is the single, it's almost binary. If you can (laughs) charge at home, absolutely get an electric car. If you can't, you still can get one, but bear in mind. Have your eyes open. yeah, 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 you do have to be very realistic about what you're doing. Now, you could, for example, not have a charger at home, but have, you might only do 10 or 15 kilometers a day of, of a drive. So you could, in that case, get away because you're probably only going to have to charge maybe once a week or maybe twice a week. And you can probably ad- adapt to using a public net, relying on a public network. My advice is just try and imagine there's no public charging network. And can you sit down and do your homework and work out, okay, yeah, I can get around and do all that without you know, just relying on my home charger. That's the key thing is have a home charger. Otherwise, you can do it on a public network. It's just going to get a little bit trickier. And the other thing to remember is that there's a growing number of electric vehicles, which means there's more people who are going to want to use that public network. And there's, you know, the ratio of cars to chargers is changing every single week. 
Yeah, look, and I think, you know, we we were talking about that earlier about having a home charger. I think if it comes to the public charging point and as someone who drives an EV every day, I would say the only situation where you should depend on them is if you are crossing the country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And I think that they that we are okay in Ireland for what we have. Ionity works really well. Some of the ESB ones, especially Junction 14, are are getting a lot better. But I, I take your point. If you were dependent on them solely, you're into tricky waters. It can be. It's just, it's just, you could end up in a very frustrating situation where you're just trying to charge at a time that, that works for your day and the, the charger's occupied or something like that. The, in terms of, you know, we talk about range anxiety as well. It's always, it's really important to remember. I think we sometimes forget that we live on an island in Ireland. <laughs> you know, yeah. there is a finite distance that you can go. And, Often I remember on like social media, I was uh, I often do a Q and A's, and somebody asked me once, could they drive from Dingle to Belfast on a single charge? And I was like, you're surely if you're doing that drive, you're gonna want to stop either yeah. because your bladder determines it, or <laughs> yes. or you know, or yeah, it's like it's not healthy to be driving no. for that length of time without stopping anyway. So you know, and therefore, and the rapid charges I've done a lot of cross country driving. The rapid charges are getting better, and typically they don't get the same. Um, they don't get as hogged by other users as the slower public AC chargers are. So yes, you might have to wait for a little bit, but. If you come back to that ABC thing, like I was going down to Limerick a while ago in, in a BMW and I pulled in, I didn't have to charge, but I wanted to get a coffee and I wanted to stretch my legs. And I thought the charger was free, was was vacant. So I just plugged it in. And by the time I got in, got my coffee, looked at what the newspapers were saying and then left again, I'd already added 15% more to the battery. But I think people, which, which it could have just been parked in the car park, but I may as well have topped it up while I was there. But you're right. I think there's a an assumption people make is that they have to charge up fully. Oh, yeah. Absolutely Whereas, yeah, as, yeah. as you said, and it's something that I've changed in my own behaviour, is that I might go to Ionity for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the way to Cork and then 10 minutes on the way back. And yes. that's done yeah, exactly yeah. what I need to do Dublin, Cork, Cork, Dublin. Yes. Um. So yeah, look. So right, we've we've dealt with. Firstly, have you a home charging point? Yeah. Secondly, you know this argument about range anxiety, and you know we could have a whole separate podcast on that. But you, you, most people know what sort of distance they travel. People yes. will often say, "But well, what if I want to go to Cork?" And like, how many times do you do that? Or oh, twice a year? And this is this is a big thing as well. Is there is a mindset change that's required? So yeah, like you said, people will ask me, "Oh well, I drive. You know, I drive to Kerry for my holidays," but why would you determine why you buy a car for fifty two for fifty one weeks of the year based on what one other week right. of the year does? It's like if I often try and explain to people is imagine you travel for work all the time, a couple of nights a week and you're just doing one night in a hotel and you're on the road and you're back. You wouldn't carry the huge family suitcase <laughs> that you take on your bi yearly holiday for an overnight stay. No. So, and it's the same kind of principle applies. So yeah, I think most people, the range anxiety thing really is not really an issue anymore in the majority of cases. So let's talk about the choice of electric vehicles. You know, what's the cheapest point of entry? What are the best cars in your view through a variety of price points? But let's deal with with the entry point first of all. So one of the cheapest electric cars you can get at the moment is an Opel Corsa E, just 27,300 euros. Um, It's pretty affordable. It is a small car. It's, It's a small hatchback, but... 
is probably ideal for somebody starting off whether it's a first car or also for people looking to downsize something slightly bigger you have cars like an mg5 which is an estate car they're just over thirty thousand euros obviously you've got the nissan leaf which is a household name um, again that's a a C segment car, so that's like a Volkswagen Golf size right. kind of car. Okay. Um, they start at twenty eight thousand, but if you want the bigger battery, it will cost you more. And then you're into slightly bigger cars. Then so you've got a couple of different things. You've got like the the crossovers, like the Peugeot E two thousand and eight, and there Hyundai Kona is another really popular model. That's thirty one thousand euros. So generally speaking, I mean they're you know, they are expensive cars, but they're not. There's not a huge price gulf anymore between what a combustion engine version of the same car is versus what an electric car is. So they are becoming a lot cheaper. And the other thing as well is a lot, you know, a growing number of people are buying cars on finance or PCP or on lease deal or any of those kind of things. So nobody's necessarily walking in handing over a bank draft for that yeah. full amount of money. So it comes down to the monthly figure. And when you start to roll that in, when you add in the fact that you've reduced maintenance costs, your fuel costs are going to be less because the electricity is cheaper than, than petrol or diesel, especially nowadays. Um, your motor tax rates are lower. So yes, the upfront cost can still be a little bit more, but when you actually work that out over three years, say, you do end up saving quite a bit of money as well. So just to pick up on that, I guess, it, it, you know, obviously we know that the prices you've quoted there are including government grants yeah. and that that can be up to, what is it now? Seven and a half, 10,000 yeah, yeah. euro off the price. So yeah, these cars would be more expensive if there weren't the grants available. Absolutely, but look, yeah. at the end of the day, the customer is never going to see that. It's just the sticker price. The price is the grants have been taken care of. It's all done. Yeah. So, yeah. In terms of the running costs, you know, is there an estimate about how much it costs to charge one at home, say, versus well, on the road? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got various different uh, household electricity tariffs that you can get. Some people, depending on what way their lifestyle is, they would rather use a night race so they can switch over and have that. But then you, you, need, you do need to sort of do a little bit of looking around and research into what's going to suit you best. Um, and also that that really focuses on when you're going to be charging. So maybe you're going to be charging the car overnight. So you might prefer to have a night rate because you're, that's when you're using a lot of that electricity. Um, but I increasingly see more and more people now as well that are looking at not just their electricity supplier, but they're looking at adding some solar onto the mm. roof and they're maybe adding a battery wall. And they're actually, you know, I've, I've seen people now that are purely charging their cars off solar panels on the roof. No, okay. and all of these things are now much more easily to do than, than they were five, 10 years ago. And the costs of installing these are getting a lot cheaper. Now, there is still a significant upfront cost, but like with the car, as I mentioned, you have to take a longer view on that. And doing this kind of thing is an investment. Um, and like that, you can get solar. You don't necessarily have to pay for it. You, there's lease deals. There's all these different yeah. options that you can have on this as well. So the costs do come down. Your servicing costs, your maintenance costs are going to be less because you have fewer things to have to service. So you don't have an engine as such. <laughs> far, fewer, far fewer moving parts yeah. in an electric motor. Um, now, that's not to say that they're free. Um, you do still have to have, obviously, your, all your maintenance checks, your NCTs, all that kind of stuff has to be done. Most of the electric vehicles with an average mileage will require still probably an annual health check and a safety check. And they'll do stuff like maybe every second year, they'll change brake fluid and things like that. But usually speaking, you are going to see 
a big reduction versus you know having a, a diesel engine or petrol. So look engine. back at the back of a fag packet, Matt. If yeah. you know if if it costs about four quid to charge at home overnight yeah. for a car that maybe does four hundred kilometers. And we know from the fuel prices at the moment that it costs about 85, 90 euro for a petrol car that yeah. might do 700 kilometres. Yeah. They're quite it's, significant it's differences. It's night and day. It's absolutely night and day. Uh, and that's that alone, you know, leaving aside any, uh, you know, concerns you might have about not wanting to have a car that emits anything locally or anything like that. Just the basic maths of it is you just can save so much money with an electric car. Um, but there's there's a huge number of other benefits of, it, of having an electric car. And I fully understand that they're not for everybody. And there are use cases or there are people that are in situations that just, I would actually say, do not buy an electric car because it's it not it's not going to work for you. But but that's that's becoming but, but that, less the that, case. That's a, mo- that's a yeah. very, very small proportion of people. There are a huge amount of people that absolutely could and should have an electric car. Mm. And maybe they're because they just have an idea in their head or maybe they had a bad experience with one 10 years ago or whatever. They're just like, oh no, I don't want an electric car because they're getting so much better all the time. It's not even every couple of years. It's every six months there's something new coming out that's better again. And there's something there for everybody. So like like I said, you know, the Course E is a cheap car. It's very affordable. It's pretty much, you know, the price of an average new car yeah. is is in and around that kind of thing anyway. Um, but obviously you can spend a huge amount of money. You can go and buy a, you know, an Audi e-tron or, or a Tesla, or Tesla Model X or anything like that. Like, but there's something there for everybody now. And they are, that. this is the crucial thing that they're now getting. They're getting closer to that price parity with the combustion engine ver- equivalent of the same car. Do we have much of a secondhand market as yes? And what does it look like? Yeah, the secondhand market's actually kind of getting a bit more stable now in the early days when used cars used electric cars started coming to the market the values were very low in them a lot because a lot of that was to do with the fact that people still weren't, weren't really sure about electric vehicles or where it was going there was a, a huge amount of doubt over the health of the battery and oh you wouldn't buy a used electric car because the battery's not going to be goosed which isn't true at all like the batteries actually last incredibly well that, that's a, a real big myth I suppose it's around. good to touch on that Dave is that you know the structure of the battery in those electric yeah. vehicles is not like one big lump yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. an it's after eight. I always said yeah, it's like a packet of after eight yeah, so exactly. yeah, yeah. so it's full of number of different cells and, and look absolutely over time the batteries do degrade but it's by a very small amount it's nothing like it's not, you would expect no yeah. not at all and also bear in mind that the, you know, all the manufacturers usually put between a seven and eight year warranty on the battery up to a certain state of charge. So like it's, you're not going to have any issues with it. And, you know, one, one anecdote was I remember talking to when Renault initially got into the electric car market, they set up a company that was going to take the used batteries out of cars and give them a second life in grid storage. And I remember talking to the guy that was in charge of the program. He said, I said, what sort of problems have you experienced? Because, well, we can't get batteries. Because 90% of all the batteries we've produced fine. are still fine and they're still in <laughs> yeah. the cars. So we, the issue we have is we can't get the batteries out of the cars. So th- that's a, that is a kind of a myth. And most pe- and the, you know, that's improving all the time with, with, with the, the cars and the software that controls the batteries. The, the availability of, of the choice that's out in the market was always quite limited anyway, because you, you had a, a time when there were very few electric cars being sold. Therefore, there were fewer appearing back on the used market. But now they're starting to see, now that people are onto their second and third electric car, there's much more choice there. The values are actually gradually 
you know improving and stabilizing quite a bit now because people realize oh actually these are desirable um the biggest issue i seem to have is that as soon as something comes up on the used market it's gone again snapped up but but look i suppose you know your usual checks aside there's no real reason for people to be spooked by a Absolutely used tv okay. no no and most retailers will also um if it's if it's a you know, if it's say a Volkswagen selling a used Volkswagen electric car, they can give you like a health check and all that kind of stuff. And there's even third party apps that will do that kind of stuff as well. But I wouldn't really worry about that at all. Um, there's no real reason. And, and I've I've done a lot of research into this and there's no real reason why you shouldn't get an electric, a used electric yeah, car. Okay. Um, they'll, they'll work fine. There's good value to be had in having one. Um, now, the, the only thing that really people need to be careful of is Obviously, if you're buying an older electric car, it's not the battery, but the actual range in the first place wasn't as high yeah, as what exactly. you're going to have now. So if you're buying a 24 kilowatt hour Nissan Leaf, they could never go that far in the first place. They'll probably have a little bit less now. But if you're only going to, if you're only getting it for nipping down to the shops and stuff, then it's going to be well, fine. That's it, like cars like the initial e-golf, which were exactly. nicely put together, but didn't have the range. But as yeah. you say, nipping to the shops, going to the school. Absolutely, exactly. yeah. Perfect. And that's something that people shouldn't overlook. So look, we've we've obviously dealt with you know things to consider if you were going to get an EV, things like range, etc. You know, which isn't as a big an issue as yeah. we as we suspect. What's it like to drive an EV? You've driven all of them, sure. Yeah. So yeah. what's it like to drive one compared to a, a regular car? I um, I first of all, they're all electric. Oh, sorry, they're all automatic. They're yeah. all electric, but they're all automatic. Um, the one thing that always surprises people when I have friends that never maybe be in an electric car they get in is how quiet it is hmm. and it's much quieter it's much smoother and if I describe if I could describe it one way is it's a lot more relaxing to drive an electric car especially if you're if you're sitting in traffic and stop start traffic and you're crawling along you're not going into you know, clutch in first second hmm. back into neutral you're not doing any of that it's just start stop it's, it's very serene it's very smooth it's very quiet you don't have things like the vibration from the engine coming through the pedal coming through your leg and all that kind of stuff it's much quieter it's much nicer um obviously the power delivery a lot of the electric cars have quite a degree of power too much power in a lot of cases in my opinion but it's very very smooth so you know if you're joining onto a motorway for example it's very quick to get up to speed it's very quiet all these kind of things are definitely make it a more enjoyable experience and then around town you've got things like obviously the regenerative braking is quite strong on some of the cars where you can adjust it and that gives this kind of one pedal feeling so you can you after uh, after a short time you can gauge it pretty well that as you as you need to slow down, if you just lift off the accelerator pedal, the car will slow itself down because it gathers energy back into the battery again. So, so when you sorry, Dave, when you say one pedal, it's yeah, it's you're just you don't the, necessarily need to brake. You don't need to t- touch the brake pedal as much. You still need to keep an eye on it. But if as you're slowing down, rather than just using the friction brakes, when you lift off, the electric motor will spin the opposite way and will recover energy back into the battery and it just becomes a very smooth very slick way of driving and uh you like certain people will find that they they start to try and see how far they can go or see you know, or do you think is you can turn it off and you can coast yeah um so if you're again if you say you're on a motorway you can just take your foot off and the car will just freewheel along using no energy wow. um and so it, it's just, it's a different driving experience but it's it's very enjoyable and Probably relaxing is the easiest way to describe it. What are your current EV favourites at the moment? What do you like personally? Well, because of the job, I'm very lucky. I get to drive all kinds of different things. Um, 
SUVs, electric SUVs are probably the most popular mm. segment at the moment. And there's a lot, that's really where there's probably the biggest choice of electric vehicles. Um, cars like Skoda Enyaq would be one of my favorites just in terms of design, how it drives, um, and also like the price point and how I it's I would packaged. agree with you there, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, obviously at the, at the upper end, cars like the Audi e-tron GT are you know, sublime to drive, but very, very expensive, 100, 100, you know, well over 100,000 euros. Um, but like today I'm driving a Fiat 500e, which is the, the small quirky electric car and it's a great little it's, car it's a great little car it's ideal for zipping around the city um i don't think the, you could buy the 24 kilowatt one though no I, i've got the bigger battery yeah. one and definitely that is the one to have but i think as well that we have especially in ireland unlike in, on you know european countries that we have this kind of aversion to small cars that we think oh you can't have a small car and i couldn't think of a better car for today for coming in to, to record this because it's super short it's small I can park it anywhere yeah. I get in and I, you know, I arrive here at the same time like there's no <laughs> difference also it's much more affordable now yes it does have a smaller battery but it the battery size in that car perfectly suits what my needs are so it comes back to that argument earlier of why, why have this huge buy the car with the biggest possible battery when you're just going to there spend is the that argument around with, I think that know? will settle down yeah, when people yeah. you know people I think, are all- I think people start to realise that oh I don't really need this it's like when when BMW launched the i3 first they launched it with a range extender which was a small little mm. generator petrol generator that was would ensure you wouldn't get stuck and they just stopped selling it because nobody bought another one like they, they bought you know people bought it yeah. first initially and when it came to changing a car again they realised Actually, I don't need this because they just get used to it. What would you say to the argument that some buyers are saying that they're better off waiting because tech will get better, prices will come down? Is there any truth in that from your perspective? Um, Look, tech is always getting better. You know, it's go and buy anything else. Go and buy a laptop or or a mobile phone six months later, something something else that's bigger and better and all that kind of stuff. Right now, at the moment, we're at a really good point for electric vehicles. Is that, so, does that mean in terms of grants in, as well? In, in, well, yeah. I mean, when you take everything into account, so you've got the grant situation at the moment, which we don't, you know, isn't going to last forever. Can't. And, sh- and shouldn't last forever. Mm. Um, you've got now the cars kind of hitting that price point of being largely affordable for a, a wide number of people. Um and you've got like the right sort of range, you know, all the manufacturers are really getting on board with it now. Yes, there will probably be another big step in battery technology in a few years time. But the thing with technology like this is when that comes along, it's typically it comes in at the premium level first, mm. you know, and then it filters down. So I would say anything, any, I like, I have no real issues with any electric car that's on sale right now in terms of it being fit for its purpose. Yeah, of course. Um, so I don't think there's, it's not like there's somebody still selling cathode ray television sets <laughs> yeah. in, 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 when over here is selling, yeah. selling flat screen uh, OLED displays. Pretty much anything you can buy now will serve your needs pretty well as long as you've researched it properly. There's no real duds out there. But, you know, if you, if you go, oh, well, I got to wait six months, then you're going to wait another six months. And then, oh, then you're going to hear that in a year's time, there's going to be something else. And, you know, it's like autonomous cars. You know, we, we were meant to have autonomous cars five years ago and we're still nowhere close to them. That's a different, that's a case of don't bother waiting for technology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The electric stuff now is, is 
by and large, very good. Um, so I don't think I don't see any real reason why you should hold off if you're considering getting one now, other than maybe you're waiting for one particular model that's about to come course, in six yeah. months time or anything. But other than that, this is a perfectly good time. It's actually probably the best time to switch because you also have certain grants in place and things like that. Speaking of grants, we've heard news in the in the last days about. Um, a new taxi driver grant for EVs. Can you tell us just a little bit about that, please? Yeah, so we're obviously a really good way of helping decarbonize public transport would be taxis switching over to electric vehicles. And they've basically now reintroduced this uh, electric small public service vehicle grants that they have. Now, if depending on which one you go for, you can a driver can get up to twenty five thousand euros in total. So you can get ten thousand euros towards the purchase of a new vehicle itself, and then further two and a half thousand towards converting it to a wheelchair accessible vehicle. So things like the Opal Combo, E Combo, stuff like that. Those kind of large MPVs, which are now obviously coming in electric form, they can be got as well. And there's also then different if you're scrapping a particular car and um, you can get added grants for that so there's a huge amount of incentives there you still have also you've got the vrt relief which is up to five thousand euros you've got the domestic charger scheme so if you want to get a home charger installed you can get up to 600 euros for that and there's also then the refunds you can get or the rebates you can get for your tolls as well and that's up to a thousand euros wow okay so i mean I, i guess for a lot of taxi drivers as well you know, if you're in or around the city, you're not taking huge amounts of chunks out of your battery charge all day long. And um, they are also planning to build a number of additional taxi-only rapid chargers at key places, so like at train stations or yeah, where I've seen them at Houston uh, Station. Yeah, Houston Station. That they already have at Dublin Airport. They probably will roll out more of those, so that taxis while they're waiting in, in line, they can very quickly charge up their cars and i think that's a really good that's going to be a key part of getting more of them to do this if that they know they can pull in get their charge fully fully done but i've I've spoken to various taxi drivers that i've seen that have electric cars and they typically say one charge you know they'll they'll have a full charge they start their shift and it'll do them for the day pretty yeah. much for the day yeah so but it's a really good scheme and um, it would be great to see more of taxis, which at the moment are still very much heavily based towards diesel engines. So seeing those come out of the city and uh, replaced with you know cars that don't locally emit anything would be a big plus. Dave, do you think anything needs to change? Do you think there needs to be an attitude change? Is there anything the government should do to get to th- these aims and these targets? Uh, I suppose... There's a couple of things, like there is a bit of a mindset change, like I discussed earlier, that, you know, you could get an electric vehicle that would suit everything. If you're if you're not getting an electric vehicle because you go on a week's holiday to France in, in the car, well, just rent a car for that week, you know, rent your diesel SUV for that week if you want. You know, like this is the thing that I think people need to just take a step back and reevaluate how they use their car, what they use their car for, and probably actually work out what their car is costing them and then do a comparison to what electric car will cost them. And I think they'd probably be like, what you can save in a year is is that family holiday for, for yeah. a week for a week in France exactly, or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's huge savings. I think we need to get a bit more realistic about how we use cars. I mean, the, the one great thing, what, you know, if people aren't willing to change behavior, for example, go to any school, you'll see dozens of cars sat outside with their engines idling, running there. You know, you have to hold your breath going by. 
if you know people are still going to do that, but doing in electric cars, it's going to be better for the local air quality. You know, so things like that need to change. And leaving aside even the environmental aspect of it, just go and drive an electric car and see if you've never driven one before and see how different it is. It's like I said, it's so much smoother, so much quieter. But I think it would be better to see more public service vehicles moving to electric. It would be better to see more companies issuing electric cars, but also providing charging at the place of employment that they, they can charge your cars there. And for us not to be too fixated on range. Yeah, the range range is a thing. Just There are people that still can't get an electric car or shouldn't get an electric car. But there's a huge, huge percentage of people that range isn't an issue. And maybe they're basing that on something that they heard five, 10 years ago of somebody that had a horror story. And, you know, I was like, I, when I had that Mitsubishi IMEV, I just drove around in a panicked state for the entire week because the battery was so small. Yeah, it was tiny. But, but that's like, honestly, I get into a car, I don't even look, I barely even glance at what, what charges in it. And mm-hmm. I could, you know, drive for a few days before I even think about plugging it in. That, you know, that's where we are now. They're getting so much better. They're getting so much more affordable. And there's just so much more choice now. So you're not suddenly picking a car that looks really unnecessarily quirky. They just look like regular cars and they're quite stylish. There's a huge amount of benefits to having an electric car. And I think most people, if they actually sit down and really look at it, they'll probably be quite surprised at how easily it could integrate into their lives. Well, Dave, look, we could talk all day about this and we'd love to have you back if you'll sure. join us again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if anyone wants to follow you on socials or reach out to you, how can they find you? Yeah, I'm usually mostly on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Lord Humphreys or you just look for Dave Humphreys. You'll see me pop up under any car related stuff. And uh, yeah, just give me a follow. And I'm always happy to answer any questions. So if you want to DM me or send me a message, I'll help out as much as I can. Well, Paddy, that was a very comprehensive chat with Dave and you're an EV owner. So I wanted to ask you, have you encountered any challenges? I guess no more than anyone else. I mean, the the network is sometimes could be better. You know, you get to a lot of spots at times and sometimes the charging point A is taken up. Now, that's no fault of the charger. It's just there's not enough at the moment. Um, Sometimes you do get the odd fault. And if you're crossing the country in particular, as I do, I found that there's still an issue with people parking in electric vehicle spots when they're in normal, you know, petrol diesel cars. That's the challenge. It really just is is, is a period of adjustment. And certainly I don't think I would go back now because, as you can see from the cost of fuel and the the increase in those costs, um, you know, I, I know I can go from Cork to Cork and back to Cork and back for about 20 euro which is quite a lot less than um, in a petrol or diesel car. So, And of course, you are doing your bit for the environment. We know it takes a little bit longer before those environmental credentials add up. But um, but no, it, it, it certainly is the way forward. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't look back now at this stage. Great stuff. Well, that's our discussion about electric vehicles. You will find more on this topic over on the AA blog, www dot the aa.e forward slash blog and you will of course find us on twitter instagram youtube facebook and tiktok please subscribe to the podcast and until next time goodbye and be safe Mm -hmm.